0: Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 286 for January 20th, 2020. Today's guest is comedian Amber Rollo, who was also one of the three women who famously confronted rapist Harvey Weinstein at an event in New York City. You're not going to want to miss this conversation. It was, you'll hear. Just listen. <laughs> I'm your host, Michael Heron. My pronouns are he, him, and I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending these podcasts to your ears for 14 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at mikeypod.com. Or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelherron.com. You can hit me up on social media everywhere as at michaelherron or email me, mikeypod at gmail.com. Hey, I missed a week last podcast. I promised I would be podcasting every single week. I did not, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue to strive for one podcast a week for the rest of the month, which just means two more podcasts. That's not going to be bad. Um, I, the goal is to keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. I still have some on the back, like not back burner. I have some in the can, if you will, um, some interviews, some really great ones that are coming up. So if you're not already subscribed, do go by MikeyPod.com to see all your subscription options. It's always free to do so. And yay. So I talked last week a little bit about my plan to go to India this year. Um, if you're Jumping in, I'll give you the short version of it. I write solo performance piece shows like multimedia, music, video, storytelling, all kind of stuff. Um, My concept for the next one is to go to India and spend an extended period of time uh, at this animal rescue slash sanctuary called Animal Aid Unlimited. Um, It's in Udaipur, India. Um, yeah, so I'm still aiming to do it. I want to go in March. So I'm working on funding and all that kind of stuff. So I just want to throw this out there. It's such a weird world of crowdfunding. I don't want to do a Kickstarter for this. Um, But if you're someone like this is it's a thing that's really going to happen and I'm going to create a multimedia show out of it. So if you're someone that is into like world changing theater and like this type of uh, lived project. If that's even what you call it, reach out to me. I I would love to like find some financial backers to help make this happen. There, I said it. Uh, feels weird, but I believe in what I'm doing. It's just it's hard for me to believe that other people should believe in it too. I guess. Oh wow, I never said that out loud, but I guess that's the truth. That's all I got. <laughs> Those are my check ins. Um, I think we should get on some music. I my friend Lauren Mall, who you probably heard on the podcast. Um, if you didn't. Episode 253 is the episode where I talked to her about her album, Apologies From Men. Her, that project, and she and I have gone on to collaborate a bunch. You've probably heard her name on the podcast if you're a regular listener. Um, She did an album called Apologies From Men, where she took apologies from these um, sexual abusing men and turned them into songs. So I thought it'd be a perfect time to play one of her tracks. This is called The Culture Then. Oh my gosh, I forgot my thing. Hold on. Here's my other self-plug. It'll be quick. This podcast is brought to you by my subscribers on Patreon, who, in addition to the warm feeling of knowing they are co-creating with me, also get lots of perks, zines, free downloads, merch, discounts, and exclusive patron-only podcasts. Check out patreon.com slash Heron for more info. Sincerely, If you want to subscribe on Patreon, that'd be great. Like, this is another thing that can help me get these types of projects that I want to get going off the ground. Like, that require me leaving the city and not doing teaching for periods of time. Um, So, anyway, there you go. Patreon.com slash Michael Heron. I'll actually send you some cool stuff. And it's a really fun—I love Patreon. So, there you go. Let's go on to a song. This is called The Culture Then. It's uh, Harvey Weinstein's quote-unquote apology as set to music by Lauren Mall And after that, we'll hear the interview with Amber Rollo.
1: I came of age in the 60s and the 70s When all the rules, the rules about behavior and purposes Were different, that was the culture then Oh, oh I have since learned it's not an excuse it's I needed to be a better person and my interactions with the people I work with have changed but that was the culture then that was the culture then I have since learned that it's not an excuse but that was the culture then I appreciate the way was the culture then. That was the culture then. I've since learned that it's not an excuse, but that was the culture then. I so respect all women and regret what happened and I thought that my actions will speak louder than
0: on the podcast is amber rollo did now did i say it
2: right (laughs) yeah you did (laughs) oh my god who's a comedian (laughs) i totally got in your head i'm sorry
0: (laughs) no that's okay because i was thinking it too i love i love an awkward introduction like this who is a comedian and musician and amazing person um and welcome to the podcast
2: thank you for having me i'm so happy to be here
0: yeah um so i i mean i knew peripherally um about this incident that happened um, with Harvey Weinstein um, Mm -hmm. and you were one of the three women involved who confronted him and I I have to admit it didn't sink in like how I mean I knew this was a big deal but now that I'm thinking about it and seeing it I don't know talk to me about that night
2: honestly it didn't sink in for me that it was a big as big of a deal as you know, that night I was like, Oh my God, this is messed up. But I, it didn't sink in how messed up it was until I thought about it the next day. And I was like, wow, what's going on in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I went to this variety show. It was specifically to, um, create a community for artists and actors and all types of performers in, uh, downtown it's at this bar called downtime bar and i was there um because i had performed on another show that fundraiser underground had produced and this show was put on by fundraiser underground and actors hour and i went to the show also my friend kelly bachman was performing on the show and harvey weinstein showed up and was in the audience and um that's was shocking because um it's supposed to be a community for artists and actors. And he is someone who has uh, predated on a lot of artists and actors. Uh, And I'm a survivor. Kelly is a survivor. And we were trying to figure out what she was going to do. And she ended up calling him out from the stage and then she was booed, which was a shock on top of like already a shock of being in this situation. And it made us feel, it made me feel very unsafe. And, um, and then on, and then another artist, Zoe Stuckless, who actually um, uses they/them pronouns, uh, decided to call it out and call attention to Harvey Weinstein being there, and really address the whole room to be like, "What is going on here? Like, why is nobody going to say anything? I'm standing like feet away from a serial rapist. Why is nobody saying?" Anything? Is he going to just, is this allowed? Is he just going to be here? And Zoe was kicked out, which was ridiculous. And then um, I, after Zoe was kicked out, went up to Harvey Weinstein's table and addressed him directly and said, you know, Zoe was right, that Harvey Weinstein shouldn't be in this audience, that he's a monster. Like this is definitely not, a space for him. Um, and why was he there? And he didn't react to me at all. He had Mm. no, um, no emotional response. It was just like, he was politely listening, which was very off-putting. Um, I was like in a very weird emotional space. I, I honestly, like all of this, as all this was happening, I was sort of watching myself from outside of myself because Mm. I was, I was in like a fight or flight, uh, zone. And I, I, um, cursed at him, his, um, somebody who was at his table asked me who I was, Then another person at his table, um, called me the C word. And, uh, and then I was thinking about getting physical and I was able to stop myself from doing that. And then a woman at this table got up and was like, it's time that you guys leave. And she guided Kelly and I out of the venue. Um, but it's all like kind of a blur and like a rush and like one thing happened after another. And only like now, since I've like, since I've told the story so many different times, can I really break down sort of exactly what happened? But in the moment, it all just happened very, very quickly. Like, uh, one thing after another. And I didn't really Get to think too much about how I was doing what I was doing, I just did it.
0: Yeah, like there are so, like, the thing that happened to me today as I was, you know, re- reading and watching interviews, and, you know, I think uh, there's a, as great as social media is about um, spreading the word about this type of thing, I think a lot of us, uh, maybe I'll just speak for myself, me as a like consumer of social media, I tend to like just like, Ca- like, see things and just scroll, 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 right? So I knew this mm-hmm. happened. But then it wasn't until today that I was like, no, wait, this is fucked up. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I knew it was fucked up, but, like, on a superficial level, I didn't think about, you know, like, I've been into and a part of these events. Mm-hmm. This, not this particular one, but the New York City is really good about creating space for artists. And, you know, the feeling of going to something like that, and then suddenly it, the entire thing is in, like invaded. Mm-hmm. And then you, it, it seemed like, and maybe I shouldn't speak for you. Like, I should ask, like, what, what were your thoughts leading up to confronting him? Like, it, it sounds like the audience, there was maybe a split in the room. Like people were booing and there were a lot of people cheering. Like, mm-hmm. what, where were you at with figuring out whether or not to confront him?
2: There was a split in the room. There was like people who booed Kelly, and at first, when the when the booing happened, like that second that it happened, I was like, "Are they booing Harvey Weinstein or are they booing Kelly?" And they, and then someone said, "Shut up!" And I was clear that they were booing Kelly, and um, I was with a group of artists on the other side of the room who, like, you know. Some people there knew her, uh, some people had like just met her. We were all like introducing ourselves to each other before the show because it was all, you know, the audience was full of artists and actors and it's about building a community. I was really excited about um, these events and going and getting to be part of that. Um, It was very split. Uh, And then there was also a third section of people who seemed to not understand what was happening until later. Like they didn't know who Kelly meant in her performance. Cause she didn't name, she didn't say Harvey Weinstein. Um, so there was a, there was people who were with Harvey Weinstein. There was people who were, um, you know, for Kelly and against Harvey Weinstein. And then there was people that were just unaware of what was going on and just sort of watching a variety show until Zoe spoke up and then I spoke up and then people started realizing, Oh, shit, something real is happening right now. Um, and I decided to, I honestly, I, I couldn't really help the urge to confront him. It just sort of like, uh, we had to pass him. So we, um, Kelly performed then there was a few other performers and we were sort of just huddled in a corner, just like trying to figure out what was going on, um, and make a game plan. And, uh, the reason we're making game plan is because Harvey Weinstein's table was on the way out. Like you had to pass directly in front of him in order to leave. And we already were like, okay, well, this audience is not totally uh, with us or supportive of what Kelly just did. And we didn't feel safe. And so um, we were like, okay, what are we going to do? And then we decided to leave at intermission and I couldn't pass by that table and not, address the fact that, yeah, this, this man should not be here. I, um, I just, I couldn't not say something. They had to know that this is absolutely unacceptable. I, in any situation, I would be triggering for a survivor to see the anti symbol of the me too movement. But in this particular situation where it's supposed to be for artists by artists, uh, it's supposed to be like a safe space for vulnerable new art. And, and then you have this predator there. That's it's it's like a it's like something out of twilight zone.
0: Mm. Yeah. And and then you had to leave. Like he stayed.
2: Yeah. 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 He got to stay. Um, and apparently the performance, like the show did continue and right. Uh, there were a few audience members who left, like after we left the audience members who didn't realize what were, what was going on, there were like a bunch of women who like left the show and were like, what? I didn't realize Harvey Weinstein was in the audience. And we were talking to them outside to figure out what happened. And, um, I found out that it was uh, the organizer of Actors Hour who invited him, and he had been at a previous Actors Hour event before. Um, And I messaged her right away to ask, like, did you invite Harvey Weinstein to this show? And she never responded, but I found out through other sources that it was her who invited him. And um, eventually that came out on social media as well. Um, and, yeah, people were mad at um, at her for inviting him. People were mad at Downtime Bar for not kicking him out. Um, all people who are supposed to be responsible for keeping the uh, – it's a producer's responsibility to make the performers and the audience feel safe in an event, and she didn't do that.
0: But t- I, I hate to say particularly at an event like this because at any event – we should be safe from sexual predators, <laughs> but like yeah. especially at this one, like,
2: As, yeah, at any event, you should, yeah, abs- absolutely, one hundred percent. And people are like, well, shouldn't he be allowed to like go on with his life? And shouldn't he be allowed to like eat out just like anybody else? Well, no, okay, I'm sorry, he's not. He's <laughs> sure, sure, he's not arrested. I mean, he's not um, convicted yet, but that doesn't mean that a restaurant has to serve him. That doesn't mean that a club has to serve him. A, a venue can refuse service to any person for any reason. And I think that's a very valid reason to refuse services that the majority of their uh, clientele will feel um, unsafe.
0: Mm. And it feels like that argument Is say that the argument that, well, shouldn't he be able to go on with his life is in effect saying, shouldn't you just get over it? You know, like, (laughs) like, yeah, I mean, that's not okay.
2: (laughs) No, and you're like, and I'm like, oh, well, I haven't, I haven't been able to go on with my life. Like, I, he should feel just as uncomfortable in any room that I'm in as I feel with him in the room. So I'm going to keep on making, <laughs> making him feel uncomfortable. That's I feel that's fair.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm with you on that. <laughs> this feels like a corny question, but I think it is a real question too. Like what, what, he, <laughs> it's, it's a corny question, but I'm curious. How, okay. how did it change you to, to have stood up in this way?
2: You know, that's a, re- that's a great question. It's a corny question, but yeah, it's, um, I felt, honestly, I felt a little empowered. Mm. I um, I have been in situations before where, um, you know, I, I'm a survivor myself, and um, I ha- I when I have been by myself and I have been assaulted, I um, have reacted by freezing. And um, that's a totally valid and understandable and, you know, self-saving reaction when you're in danger. And um, for a while, I thought, like, that's the type of person I am. I am someone, when put in those situations, who freezes. But um, after this, I realized I'm not that... 100% 100% of the time, you can be, uh, you can react differently in different situations. And, um, when it comes to protecting other people or feeling like I need, this situation brought out a another side of me, this um, mama bear side of me mm. that wanted to protect the other people in the room, that wanted to protect Kelly, that wanted to protect the other artists, that wanted to stand up for what's right. And that side of me was more of a fighter side of me, and I um, I was uh, glad to see it. I I am um, also I, I'm sober. I don't I don't drink anymore, and I used to uh, you know when I did drink I would get into fights sometimes, um, hate to say it, but I, uh, I'm a learning and growing human being. And I thought maybe without drinking, that side of me was gone. Um, and this is, it felt like an evolution of that side of me that, um, I, I, when, it, when I really believe in something and I am put in that situation and I have the opportunity to stand up for what is right, I will. And knowing that I can do that and I have the ability to do that um, made me feel a little empowered. Mm.
0: Uh, I'm sober, too. So I'm having this like, whoa, like there's a whole nother level of.
2: Yeah. Like, oh, my God. There's so much that's connected to the sobriety side of it, too, that I'm like, oh, if I I am so, so grateful that I was sober in that situation, because do you know how it would have gotten spun if I was a if I was drunk and a, and a, and a confronted Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> Do you know, like, how I would have uh, lunged across the table and strangled him? And that would have been fun in a whole another way. Um, So I was glad I uh, was sober at that moment.
0: Yeah. And that, like, uh, that level of using and drinking and Mm -hmm. having that, like, process of, like, oh, uh, if I stop drinking, I'm not going to do X, Y, Z, like, all the different things I'm not going to be able to be anymore. And then, like, it's kind of cool that you showed up. Well, very cool that you were able (laughs) to show up in the way that you didn't think you could. You know, as a sober person, yeah, better.
2: Yeah, like that part of you showed up in my feisty self, but it's but uh, a more evolved feisty. Uh, Yeah, so I was I was I was happy with that.
0: We should talk about your work. Like I don't want to just talk about this event. Like I'm learning. So, Mm -hmm. comedian, also musician. Let's do Uh your, your work as a comedian first.
2: Sure. Yeah. I do stand up comedy and, um, I have a show in Brooklyn called Stoked Comedy. It's the first and third Thursday of every month. And actually, um, Kelly Bachman is one of my co hosts. Mm -hmm. I have, uh, three other co hosts Kelly Bachman, Davidson Boswell, and Julie Pinero. Uh, originally a show that I started by myself, but I, um, I don't know. I got lonely. I wanted friends with me all the yeah. time, so <laughs> brought them in. Um, and it's a stand-up showcase where we bring in the you know our favorite comedians uh, twice a month and do it in a weird back room in Brooklyn. And uh, there's like a lot of strange alt comedy that we have there, and the audience seems to really love it. It's a really like loving and warm room where I feel like we can all try our newest and weirdest stuff and the audience audiences um, for it and supportive. Um, I talk, I talk a lot about like very personal stuff on stage. I, um, I'm an orphan. My parents passed away when I was a kid and I talk a lot about what that's like, what I've learned, how I've learned to self parent, um, I don't know. I talk a lot about it because I feel like it's so common in stories. Like if you think about like all the princesses and all the superheroes, they're all orphans in some capacity. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's interesting to me. And it's, it's weird to me that people are so uncomfortable when you talk about death in person, but they're so, uh, very comfortable with it in, in movies and fiction. And, um, why is that uh so the way uh, I think the way I deal with a lot of personal things is through talking about it on stage obviously I talk about it first off stage with my therapist and I journal about it and Mm -hmm. I meditate on it (laughs) but then I do talk about it on stage um and I I I like it stand-up is like evolving right now to be a very personal art form I think everyone's realizing that we are the um when you perform stand up, you are the object and the subject, you're the writer and the performer and the director. Um, and it's like a very personal art form. And the more and more different types of people we get up on stage, um, the more stories are able to be told, the different types of stories and um, more audiences are coming to like, understand and appreciate that. And plus, like, just the laughter element of it. I don't know. I've always used laughter as a coping mechanism through my entire life. So, uh, it's cool to be able to give that to other people.
0: Uh, I, I always think I'm, I'm also a performer. I do yeah. more like, uh, sort of performance art, storytelling, music stuff, but I also tell personal stories. I worry about being perceived as being, uh, Oh wait, I can't think of the word self, uh, absorbed yeah 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 like, do you do you have that worry at all and and what do you, do you look at your work from that lens and and try to keep from being that way
2: i do worry about that 100 and like obviously yeah my imposter syndrome comes in and i'm mm. like am i just someone who likes to talk about myself and that's why i'm doing this um i do but i also there's this other side of me that's like well i can't be anyone but me I can't experience the world from anyone else's shoes but my own so um what I try to do is like take my own experience and lessons and then talk about it from talk about the world from my perspective and hopefully someone in the audience identifies with that understanding of the world I I am in a um I'm in a 12-step program and sometimes in Meetings, um, I feel I, when people are talking about their experiences, sometimes people get into giving advice rather than talking about their own experience. And when people start using the word you, I find myself retreating and like rejecting that advice. But when someone tells a personal story about themselves, I lean in more and I am more likely to be like, oh, that's similar to the way I interact with the world and how, what can I learn from the interaction that they had that I can take with me? Um, so I'm hoping that people listen to my comedy more in that way, uh, rather than like, uh, prescriptive. And I think people do. I mean, people come up to me after shows all the time and they're like, I am also an orphan, and the way that you talked about it on stage, and the way that we could laugh about it, made me really happy. It was really cathartic for me. Or I um, lost my sister recently, and it felt so good to laugh about that. Or I, you know, used to be a stripper too, and like what you, how you open you are about it, made me feel comfortable. Um, so it, they, I, people identify, even though you are talking about yourself, and that's. I even though it's about me, my goal is to connect with the audience.
0: Yeah, that yeah. that's like a. I, I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that again because as, as you were talking, I was like, wait, that described like that, it, that, that comparison to being in a 12 step meeting and the, and the difference in how things relate mm-hmm. made, made me, re- makes me realize that's it. That's why. I do that type of work (laughs) that like a lot of people like you're telling what kind of story. (laughs) But do you, do you have these moments sometimes when I don't have them as much as I used to, but after like talking to someone who was at one of your shows and they, when, let me say it, like, let me talk about my experience (laughs) when I'm doing like someone comes to me after a show and says, starts relating to me about something I said in the show. There's always this moment of like, oh shit, how, like, how'd you find out about that? Like, oh wait, I did, it feels, I forget <laughs> sometimes I'm talking to an audience. Like the audience is one thing, not individual people. So when an individual uh-huh. person, I don't know if that's familiar to you too. Like Or do you feel just totally clear with it? Uh,
2: that's, I've had that moment before where someone approaches me and says something personal, but personal about my life. And I'm like, how do you know that about me? And then I'm like, oh yeah, I just tell like a very autobiographical, I just had an autobiographical set on stage. So yeah. Uh, Yeah. But um, I think because it's comedy, a lot of times, a lot of times after shows, people are like, so is what you're saying on stage true? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, yeah, 100%. I would not make up my parents dying. That'd be weird. That'd be really weird. Um, But yeah, people all the time are like, is that real? Uh, and um, I don't know if you experience that in storytelling as much, but it is a very common question. Um, yeah,
0: I've gotten it a couple of times, too. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I don't I don't know what to make of that yet. I'm just it's yeah. something that happens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's really like how did, did you did you think I could make that up? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about your music a little bit. Like you're sure. tell me the name of your band
2: again. Sure, it's called Boys Drool. And Kelly Bachman is in it. Kelly oh, it's yes. yeah. It's funny. Uh Kelly and I like are connected in everything we do right now. So uh it is really and this is like how it was before that whole night. So it was super interesting. We were like just thinking about new projects to work on. And, um, and then this happened, and we're like, oh, I guess this is the new project? Uh, it's been bizarre. Yeah. But, um, she, yeah, so she is the singer-songwriter. I play the drums. Julie Pinero is lead guitar, and Beecher is the bassist. And we're all comedians. Um, we're all fairly new at our instruments. The music is not comedy music it's sincere uh emo sort of punk music about relationships and um and it's really just it's really just fun i've i've been um i learned to play the drums for it and i really enjoy learning the drums the new pathways that it's creating in my brain is i don't know if you've ever played the drums or I've attempted. Yeah. It's it's hard. Like, it, you have a hump, or there's like a few humps every time you learn a new beat, but um, I really enjoy it a lot. Oh, it's cathartic to
0: just bang on them. Uh, where else can we find you on social media and on the internet elsewhere?
2: Sure. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, at Amber, C is in cat, Rallo, Rollo, R-O-L-L-O. And, uh, you can find like all the dates of where I'm performing on my website, a m b e r r o l l o dot com. And, um, if you guys are in New York, if any listeners are in New York, the last week of January, I'm going to be doing a week at the Creek, uh, the Creek being the Creek in the cave. I'm running, uh, 30 minutes there every day for the, last week of January. Um, and I would love to see some people out there. I'm getting ready to record my first album. So running some long sets there. Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: Oh, there's lots of stuff coming up.
2: Oh, yeah. Lots of stuff coming up. It's all like right in the middle of the works. Um, so soon I will have like uh, more updates. But yeah, uh, the the last week of January would be that. Uh, so that's January 27th through the first of february but i'll
0: be there got it all mm-hmm. right and, and people who are listening i'll put all the links and dates and things at mikeypod.com and show notes for this episode um so if you didn't get to write that all down don't worry it will be there for you um and thanks so much for joining me on the show today
2: of course thank you so much for having me michael
0: another track from Lauren Mall entitled Phone. is from her forthcoming album, Too Much Love, which will appear on Valentine's Day. Check MikeyPod.com for links for these artists. My whole goal in doing this, well, I guess there are a couple of goals of doing this podcast. One is to share with you artists that I love, talk about this process of being an independent artist, a creator, all the different things that we do, and it would really like help make the cycle complete if you would go and follow up and investigate these artists. Um, I'm sure Lauren would love a download or a click on her video for phone, which you can find in Vimeo. Check out her website. Check out uh, Amber Rollo. All the other artists I feature. Check out my stuff. It's fun, like. They're independent creators all over like us, and we would love it if you would investigate our stuff and dig deeper. So, all of that said, thank you for listening to this podcast, because that's something that I love, and I see that people download it and listen to it. Sometimes they leave reviews at Apple Music or Stitcher or any of those places. Sometimes they don't. I just love knowing that you're out there, so thank you. If you enjoyed the show, let me know you liked it, or let someone else know. And I think I'm going to stop talking now. That's the end of the podcast for today. Talk to you next time. Goodbye.